In August 2015, Gary Newman and Dana Walden, co-chairs and CEOs at Fox, met with journalists to discuss the upcoming Prison Break reboot. When questioned about the reasoning behind rebooting this particular show, Walden remarked that people are still interested in these characters, and she was right. Prison Break remains one of the most successful library shows on Netflix. What is it about these properties that make them so ripe for being remade? A cynic might argue that it's the result of a tired system relying on fond nostalgia to gather as much cash as possible from a sinking ship. But what if it were something more? What if there was some intangible quality that couldn't be quantified? This show is about the search for that essence. This is still interested for Curio. So, Jackson, it's currently 12.26 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just watched Point Break, the original 1991 film, the Catherine Bigelow film. The American action crime thriller. Yeah, that is, I guess, how you'd describe it. Mm. Starring crazy Patrick Swayze, Keanu <laughs> Reeves, big Gary Busey, John C. fucking McGinley up in the mix. Laurie Petty as well. I'm not sure what else she's done. I just knew the actress's name and I, I thought I'd... Uh, yeah, did you take that down? You know, that in. I, I sure guess. did. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Yeah. And hey. I guess, as anyone listening to this knows, uh, this, this movie's been remade. It's been rebooted, which makes it prime fodder for our brand new podcast, Still Interested. Uh, and I guess we should discuss it. Talk about its, its remake ability, the things mm. that make it great or not so great. L- let's not talk stats. Let's, let's dissect this frog. Yeah. As I'm... Uh, as I'm- what to say? Yeah, I mean, I've heard you say that a lot before. <laughs> a lot of times. Interesting, get... though, as you as you um, mentioned really early on, though, Catherine Bigelow directing it sort of thing. Yeah. Zero Dark Thirty, Hurt Locker, Oscar award-winning film. Like, we're in the hands of a... A master here. A master. A real... Yeah. yeah definitely. I mean, this has got to be at least 20 years before either of those movies that you just referenced. Probably like... When was Zero Dark Thirty? Zero Dark Thirty is like, what, 2012? Yeah, that's 21 and years. Then, this is a 1991 mm. classic film. Hang on, I'm just going to Google it. 2012, you were right. You got it dead right. There you go. Um, so, yeah, 20, 21 years before Zero Dark Thirty. Hurt Locker's got to be, what, 2010? 07? Oh, oh, no, 09. 08. Damn. Right the first time, yeah. That was like the so, only one I didn't say. Yeah, a good, like, 17 years before movies that she's probably more well-known for, but she made fucking Point Break. The original goddamn Point Break. I know. That's something. The, the one that started it all, dude. Anyway, let's thump this melon. Okay. Uh, as, as you're known to say. As I'm known to say, yeah. We've both got our catchphrases <laughs> in very early in episode one. Yeah. Uh, it's very important to get on brand like that. Definitely. Uh, so we're going to thump the melon and dissect the frog. Uh, okay. So my first note here, I've got, oh my God, this opening shot of this clean, crisp water... And those fresh, juicy waves. Like that, and like the most painful title card fuckery. <laughs> like, welcome back to the 90s, dude. Like, yeah. do you remember, like, Kurt Cobain? Like, we're back. <laughs> it's early 90s. This is 91. Like, oh. this is, it's rough, dude. Because, yeah, I've, I've gotten, like, they've got this hot effect where, like, they bring in one name from the left of the screen and one name from the right of the screen, and they, like, go through each other in the middle of the screen. <laughs> like, it's like, like, Keanu Reeves comes sliding into the left, Patrick Swayze from the right, and then the names, like, collide in the middle, and you have a good, like, two seconds where it's literally, like, an unreadable jumble of nonsense, and then they come through on the other side. It's yeah. literally like the awkward puberty of the 80s, dude. <laughs> That's what it looks like. You're just kind of like, oh, these are all the mistakes yeah. that you're about to make. The 80s is growing up, uh, and this is its, uh, like, 
what wet dream phase. Uh, yeah, Point Break's kind of a wet dream. Mm. I would say it's, it's like a wet dream of the American 90s. action. <laughs> American action wet dream. Is the yeah, that's the, the genre. That's I believe that was. Um, Roger Ebert's re- Roger Ebert's review. Of course, yeah. yeah. Classic American action wet dream. Two thumbs up, four wet dreams. Yeah. Um, also, <laughs> uh, like straight away, we're seeing um, Keanu Reeves as uh, our main boy, Johnny or Jonathan Johnny Utah. Jonathan Johnny Utah. Yeah. Yeah. Murdering the fuck out of some action, some paper figures. Like yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. he's at like an FBI training range, and he just won't stop shooting this lady in the face. But I mean, to be fair, dude, hundred percent. He's nailing like, it. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> the instructor at the end of it's like, that's a hundred percent. I didn't realize FBI agents were required to shoot so many paper women in the head yeah, so yeah. many times with such accuracy. But apparently, yeah, yeah. He also never reloads either. This dude has yeah. like just this never-ending clip. No, it's dude, incredible. he's got no misses. That's the thing. Yeah. You don't need to reload if you never miss. If you never waste a bullet, like yeah, you know true. exactly how many bullets you need going in to that, you make sure there's that many in your magazine. Yeah. You're like, not fucking wasting seconds reloading it's your like shit. Dirty Harry, of course. Yeah, Always exactly. Count. Definitely. Yeah. He's like an autistic savant. Yeah. Counting the bullets in his clip <laughs> knows how many targets he has left to shoot. Um, but yeah, so we, he- we head through here, and then we get like your classic like establishing, oh, he's an FBI agent, he's going to be working in uh, bank robberies. Yeah, bank robbery. And we get John C. McGinley. Uh, now, this is a little segment that we are going to do on this here show, mm-hmm. where we, we nominate people that we think are going to be uh, MVPs, or most valuable players for the movie. Uh, and I would like to submit for your consideration John C. McGinley as my first nominee for MVP because of the way he fucking crushes this scene. Johnny Utah comes up in his precinct and he's all like, "Wow, you can't eat skin on your chicken. I don't like my agents to have caffeine or alcohol or sugar or fat. You gotta be pristine and clean. And then, like, Utah picks up the donut and eats it and this whole scene just, like, he has a real J. Jonah Jameson yeah. vibe oh, going definitely. on. Well, like, he's like... Literally, like, and that Utah's like, like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm with the boys. I'm just like, sort of like, back chatting and that sort of thing. And McGinley just turns to him at one point and is like, you're young, dumb, and full of cum. <laughs> And it's like, that is, that seems to be inappropriate. I mean, I guess yeah. it's the FBI, right? I mean, but that yeah. seems kind of inappropriate. We're a few lines into my first page of notes, and one of the lines here is just all caps, young, dumb, and full of cum. Just the yeah. fact that that was a thing that was said in this movie. Um, but basically, yeah, McGinley talks him through some stuff, basically says that they nail bad guys by crunching data. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The data crunching aspect of it. Mm. They're like, mm. this is numbers before numbers, dude. Yeah. Do you remember Numbers? That TV show about like a mathematician oh, yeah. <laughs> who solves crime. I fucking used to watch that all the time, he, dude. He solves crime me? by crunching the data. Yeah. This is Numbers, dude. Yeah. When did Numbers come out? Hang on, they fucking oh, preempted Numbers. A lot of I'm, I'm gonna say, oh seven, oh seven, two thousand five. Ah, oh, dude. Dang. This show ran for five seasons. All right, we can't get we can't get how many episodes? How many episodes? Real quick, can't get how many episodes? Did they get that syndication money? Did they get that syndication money? All right, I'll click through. 118 episodes of numbers. They They got to Cindy. Yeah, good. Good for them, dude. Good for them. Jesus. Uh, Moving right along, we get an introduction to uh, Gary Busey playing Angelo. Pappas. Pappas. Angelo Tapas. Angelo Tapas. Angelo Tapas. <laughs> Tapas. I, I don't know. Called Pappas's Tapas's. I mean, Pappas is a r- ridiculous surname anyway. Yeah. But, um, uh, basically, he's like a old, grizzled, like, Asian. Like, very much like, hey, is that a stereotype? Yes, it is. Congratulations. Yeah. You figured it out. Although, gotta be honest, Gary Busey, 
He pulls his weight in this fucking He game. really, really does. And we'll come back to that later, but holy shit. He is impressive. So the thing that I didn't get about this scene, so yeah, to, to, to recap, like, so he's he's been assigned, Utah that is, to the, the bank robbery squad, and then he goes to meet his partner, who is fucking Angelo Pappas. The first thing we see about Pappas is he's being blindfolded and thrown in a pool to retrieve some bricks. Like, why is that a thing that they have to do? I'm really confused at this point. Like, yeah. he's literally, like, some instructor is like... Sense. I'm going to throw these bricks in the pool and you're going to put that blindfold on and get them out of there. And, like, we never... It's never mentioned again. It's never explained why that's part of the training. Like, they just don't go into it. Well, particularly because, as Papa's like, goes to, like, Great Links to explain, like, he's been in the force 22 years. He's killed, like, nearly 30 dudes in the line of duty. Why is he diving into a fucking pool to pick up bricks? I don't think he says he's killed nearly 30 dudes. No, I... I, I, I think... He says, I've fired my weapon 19 times in the line of duty or something. Well, I don't whatever. think he says... I've killed nearly 30 guys. That would be a crazy thing for him to say in defense well, of like not needing additional training. Maybe it's like a threat or something. <laughs> I've killed 30 dudes. You can train pool. me. You don't have enough badges <laughs> to train me. Oh, that was a fresh Pokemon reference. Yeah. Oh, stop. <laughs> That's very bad, dude. That's his Pokemon call. It's very bad of the years. Okay. Um, but basically, we... we, we got to stop moving faster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is all... <laughs> we're like ten minutes into this recording. We're like two and a half minutes into the film. Dude, essentially, what we're seeing here is just setting up a classic, like, all right, this is law enforcement, baby. Get used to it. Um, the central conceit of the film is that Johnny Utah is trying to track down these uh, bank robbers. They call themselves the ex-presidents, and they wear full facial masks of ex-presidents. you got LBJ in there, Reagan... Richard Nixon. Um, Nixon. The cool thing, this scene here is like super iconic. Like the scene that we next get with like a smash cut to these like ex-presidents robbing the bank. They're going in the like full face uh, mask that you just mentioned and they're on the bank. They take like 90 seconds to do it and they're like, we're going to get in and out in 90 seconds and they never kill anyone and they're these like solid professionals and we get these like, we get these like discussions that are meant to be, I don't know, I guess characterization for these <laughs> bank robbery characters as being fucking hell legit and super cool. Cool. Basically, like as you say, it's a very classic scene. We've seen it like, like I think, like parodied a bunch of times now. The basically FBI tries to like work some stuff out. And, like no one's got any leads, sort of thing. We have this weird aside where these two like jock agent ass baskets yeah. like corner Utah and Pappas and are like yo Pappas tell Utah about your theory whoa hang a 10 man like yeah, foreshadowing yeah, yeah. this surf idea and then that's like they just leave it's not explained then we get this like incredibly strange scene where like Utah gets so so up in Pappas's grill. And is, is this his first day? Yeah, like right. is this like the first day? And he's like, "Hey, fuck you, man!" Yeah. And it's like, "Whoa, dude, I've taken this down." We we are like ten minutes into this movie, and he's like screaming at his superior officer, like, "Get mad! You've still got blood in your veins, don't yeah. you, old man? Yeah. <laughs> Help me solve Does this. Does it feel good to be angry? Yeah, that means you're alive. Yeah. It's like, it's what the fuck? It's really strange. It is strange, but it works. 
on Gary Busey as Pappas, who I have nominated right here at the 13-minute mark as my MVP. Yeah. Or one, another nominee for MVP. I'm feeling you. Uh, I wish I could give it to my boy Keanu. He did not cop this round, but no. hey, there's plenty of film left to go, I so mean, the, I guess we'll find out. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't cop. See how that goes. We'll come back to that. Yeah. So they go back to the lab, I guess. Smash some brews. Yeah, and, uh, and like Keanu slash Utah has convinced Pappas by yelling at him to share his theory with him that he was reluctant to it's share. Like bonding through anger, masculinity bonding yeah. through anger. It's very like powerful stuff. You know? Yeah. Basically that these robbers are in fact surfers, hence why those jock agents uh, were all like, hang ten, man, like, alright. Basically that these guys spend their days travelling with the waves uh, chasing that uh, endless summer around the world. Man. And just robbing banks. Yeah, pretty like, much. They've what? robbed, like, what, 27, 27 banks in three banks years? In three years. That is, like... So many, so right? So many banks to be robbing. And, and I mean, to be fair, I guess if they're in and out in 90 seconds... Yeah, and, sure. And, like, they're, like, wearing masks and stuff sure. like that. But sure, like, I mean, no, they're doing a good job of it. But, dude, like, as we later see these guys, like, they're not living in luxury. Like, what are they doing with that money? They've robbed 27 Traveling, banks. right, though? Yeah, like... I guess. Anyway, this theory is predicated solely on the idea that one of the guys jumped over a counter in a bank and left some soil on the counter that contained a trace of carnauba wax that yeah. is used in surfboards. And then Gary Busey, a.k.a. Angela Pappas... A.k.a. Has, the world's greatest detective. ...has become an expert on wax. He says that. <laughs> And that there are like what like like how it's like ninety uses of that particular style of wax. Yeah. Like what? And he knows them all. Yeah, categorized, <laughs> alphabetized. He's just like yeah. And then one of them is like sex wax. And then like Utah's like oh is it you kinky guy? <laughs> and like Keanu's just like chomping through this dialogue trying yeah, to get something I mean, out. He's really chewing it. And we're immediately off to the beach mm. because Keanu's bought into Pappas's theory that this is like a surf gang that's robbing banks. But yeah, basically what we see now is a 10-minute montage of Johnny Utah sucking at surfing. Like, he is so bad. And to be honest, like, the film actually goes to great extents to show that, like, this dude doesn't know how to surf, and he's bad at it. And he doesn't just learn it instantly. Like, this guy sucks at surfing for, like, the first hour of the film. Like, he just can't do it. Yeah. Um, and, and he needs the femme fatale. Yes, the femme fatale. Oh, the beautiful uh, Tyler. Basically, at one point, he just, like, eats... Well, I was going to say eats dirt, but I guess that's not really true, given that he's surfing. He, he eats wake, bro. Yeah, he... <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he goes down hard in this wave and is rescued by Tyler, uh, this, as you say, femme fatale. This beautiful um, surf babe. Who drags him to the shore and is basically like, you don't belong out there, man, like, and then, like, just bails. Uh, and we get some sort of, like, weird, like, surveillance stuff done by Gary Busey and When Keanu. you say weird surveillance stuff, you mean he follows her and watches her change out of her surf gear into her regular clothes. Yes. Like, he just follows her back to her car yes. and then watches her through binoculars while she changes out of her surf shit yes. and into her jorts. <laughs> yes. It's, it's very creepy. It's very creepy. Also, jorts. Yeah. Really? Like, and then, yeah, it's just, like, the 90s style's coming through. I mean, like, she's, I, I, you know, she's a cool beach babe. She's wearing her denim cutoffs. It's a very awkward puberty, dude. I mean, that's okay. 
So this is where this is the first time. I mean, the Carnuva wax thing, like the fact that the lab was able to be like, "There's three possible wax brands that use this, and this is one of them," and they changed the surfboards. Like that was where I was a bit like, "Oh yeah, okay, they allowed to be that specific about it." This next bit was the bit that had me like, "Really?" So 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 somehow. Uh, Utah has found this girl in the FBI database and he's found her record and she's got all these crimes that like a manic pixie dream girl would have yeah. and she's like you know flashing people in cars and stuff and then yeah everyone's like oh well that's the one you found of course Utah yeah so hot wow this radical man cool hey quarterback yeah. He's a quarterback. And yeah, we well, that's going to be like, important later. So, I mean, unless it was, like, from, like, her car license plate, maybe, but that is giving this film some credit. Like, sure, that, is, like, that, that is fine. The thing that is crazy is that in her FBI file included is the fact that both of her parents died in a plane crash. Like, why would that be in her FBI file? Do they just keep, like, files on random surfers that have done minor petty crimes? Like yeah, it was in the nineties, dude. I yeah, mean, I, guess, I uh... guess so. Right, <laughs> so whatever. He goes and tracks her down in the diner that she works in because he's decided that this is an important thing for him to do now as an FBI agent. And he lies and says that his family also died. Yeah, and he convinces her to teach him to serve. They died in a car crash. He was like. Listen, my whole life I've been doing things for them, but now I'm doing something for me, and it's surfing, and I need you. And she's like, that was so inspirational. She really was inspired. I'll see you at 6am, not a minute later. Not a minute later. (laughs) She's like, if you're a minute late, I'm leaving. And that's not a joke. She literally says that. Seemed unnecessary to me, but anyway... Uh, we next get a literally like a ten minute long training montage yeah. of this dude like trying to learn how to surf, being mocked by people and that yeah. sort of thing. Um, although I did write down this surfing looks pretty fun. I also like, wrote down I kind of want to go surf, dude. Yeah, I also wrote down I feel like I just learned how to surf <laughs> because she like she has him on the sand doing this Karate Kid style training montage, and he's like. Fully learning how to surf. She's yeah. like, jump up. You gotta land both your feet at the same time. And I'm like, man, like, I'm learning. I'm learning something here. Yeah, we should go surfing, dude. Yeah, we great. should go surfing. Yeah. Hang on, I'm just gonna look up the price of surfboards. <laughs> <laughs> through the course of this training montage, we get to see uh, Bodhi. Oh, Bodhi. What do they call him? The, the Alpha Bodus? Something dumb. Also, a modern savage, which I feel like <laughs> is just... It's, it's very pretty like, confronting to hear. It's very um, uh, Joseph Conrad. He's basically just this really fresh surfer uh, played by uh, Patrick Swayze. None other than Crazy Swayze. Crazy dude. Swayze himself, uh, who is, in the words of Tyler, just searching for the ultimate ride. Yep. Um, which, I mean, I guess that tells you all you need to know about him. He says, he's even crazier than you, Johnny. <laughs> this is the guy who can't surf. Yeah, the like, guy she met yesterday. She met this dude the other day who can't surf, and she's like, you're a real crazy customer. Yeah, <laughs> but this Bodhi guy I know, he's even crazier. Um, but basically, Bodhi comes out... <laughs> And then basically just, like, mocks Utah for a bit, uh, apparently. But in a very friendly way. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's not being a dick about it. He's like, cool surfboard, bro. And then he smooches his girlfriend, who, spoilers, it's Tyler. Yeah. And uh, the, know? the thing that I've written down here is, like, he comes up, he smooches Tyler, he's like, hey, cool surfboard. And Johnny literally just stands there, mouth agape, and doesn't say anything. It's the alpha bonus, dude. What are yeah. you supposed to say? He says nothing. Yeah. And then one of Bodie's, like, boys throws a foot 
football over to him. Bodie misses the catch. Utah catches the football. And Bodie says, hey, nice catch. Utah says nothing again. Yeah. He just stares at him. Well, you don't even say anything when your actions speak for themselves. That's true. And what we see next is like a five-minute montage of Utah just playing football really yeah. well. Yeah, Because dude. he's a quarterback. Yeah. Did you miss that? Like They're playing beach football. Like, no rules beach football at night. Somehow he's become accepted into this little group of beach footballers. And to this point that you remarked to me, that we're 25 minutes into the movie and there's got to have been at least 10 minutes of montage it's at just this point. It's so much stuff has been like, we're training now. At one point, like, Bodhi has the ball sort of thing. He's running toward, like, running on the sand. Utah tackles him into the ocean and then one of Bodhi's boys is like, Hey, that's too far, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. That crosses the line. You're like, why does that cross the line? These, like, big wave surfers yeah. that are like, yeah, of course. We, like, put our lives on the line. They're like, don't, don't tackle someone in the water. He's going to get wet. He could get a cold. Yeah. It's really going to get an ear infection, man. Jeez. It's chilly out there, dude. It sucks. But it's fine because Bodie recognizes Utah from playing college football, I guess. Which is such a weird grab, right? Yeah. I mean, although to be fair, like, I don't think we had the same culture over here. Like, college football sure. is big. But what's a surfer do? Like, like does Bodie just watch, like, a shitload of football? Like, it also never comes up again. Yeah. Like, it's it's never relevant again in the movie that he played college Even football. him as a quarterback, hey? Yeah. Because, like, like, the agents early on reference him as a quarterback yeah. and that sort of thing. And, and for and this and one scene where they play beach football. But they're, they're literally like, and that's the football side. So <laughs> we never need to go back to that again. Um, right. But yeah, moving on from here, we see uh, Angelo uh, Pappas and uh, Johnny Utah just getting a spray just from getting McGinley. Chewed out, dude. yeah. And here's where I've written down another thing that I think is going to become a feature of this podcast. Where we talk about the features of a movie that make it highly remakeable or rebootable. And here's the first thing I've noticed here. Johnny Utah's insubordination. <laughs> he just, like, loves talking back to his boss. And I think that that is an element that is going to be a prominent factor in the reboot. <laughs> I bet whoever we get as fucking Johnny Utah 2, Johnny Tutar, is going to be... Man, Johnny Tutar is so good. I mean, if that's not the name of the character, then I don't know what I might do. Yeah, of but, course. But uh, I just hope he's, he's yelling at his boss all the time. Because that's what's happening right now. Well, and it, let me tell you, it's really about quantity and not quality with this character. Because uh, <laughs> he walks in carrying this surfboard, and then like McGillian's like, "I hate the whole idea. I hate your surfboard. I hate all this stuff." And then like he's like, "What are you going to say for yourself?" And then Johnny's like, "Caught my first tube this morning." <laughs> like, what do you mean? You're an yeah. FBI agent. Yeah, like why is he deliberately antagonizing his boss? And like, why are we supposed to sympathize with Utah in this situation? Like, yeah. you're a taxpayer-funded special agent. I'm paying you to track down these bank robbers, and we're supposed to sympathize with Utah being like, caught a tube, bro. It was sick. Dude, okay, no, no, you're right. As you say, okay, tax. I'm going to a tear here. <laughs> taxpayer-funded agents, because you know what happens next. From this fucking thing, we have Utah have, like, the dumbest idea ever <laughs> about him, like, them grabbing surfers' hairs and testing them and finding out which particular part of the beach they surf in. They, there's this moment where, like, Utah's like, my man! Like, Angelo and, like, Utah high-five. We then get a montage of literal FBI agents walking around beaches and ripping hair out of innocent surfers <laughs> like paid out. by the taxpayer. <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty unhinged. 
So to like just re- recap that briefly, like they finally, after all these robberies, like twenty seven robberies or over twenty nine robberies now, because there were two more in the time that he was offloading this, uh, um, get a hair sample of one of the robbers or something, and they find in the hair certain chemicals that Utah is like the beaches get shut down all the time because of chemical spills. So if we can just get air samples from surfers who surf at different beaches, we could cross reference them with the chemicals in this hair and find out where they surf. And I guess that makes sense. It's like the equivalent of that like CSI sperm yeah, bank thing yeah. where they always find semen at the scene of the crime yeah. and they're like, well, we'll just run it into the, the sperm bank we've got and yeah. hey, there's our perpetrator. Like, yeah. it's... I mean, yeah. I'm not that kind of scientist, but that sounds like hooey to me. <laughs> <laughs> they realize that it is, in fact, point break. So then, Utah's there at this particular beach. What proceeds to happen is these four dudes jump fucking Johnny Utah, and he just starts trying to beat the tar out of all four of them by himself, and then Bodie shows up, and then he and Bodie just take them to school. Yeah. Like, well, to be fair, it's probably more Bodie than it is... Like, Utah's there for a bit, but then, like, gets overpowered. Bodie just beats the <laughs> shit out of these dudes. Another thing I noted is that Bodie is just a spiritual warrior. Yeah, so <laughs> it is at this point that we start getting the fucking like philosophy side of the whole thing he literally says you haven't yet realized what riding waves is all about (laughs) at this point i'm thinking oh shit i'm about to find my breaking point but uh instead of that we just get like our toe dipped in the pool of this like philosophical wave riding lifestyle and then he gets invited to a party at bodhi's house a wild party a very cool party. sex drugs and surf rock (laughs) but before the party full of sex drugs and surf rock he calls back to the bureau because he thinks that those surf Nazis that jumped him are the former presidents or the ex-presidents mm. who were doing the bank robberies, right? So they set up a stakeout on their house. <clears throat> Pappas and Utah take the first uh, watch and then they leave those two butthead agents that were dicks to the back of the bureau and Utah goes to this hella sick party and then, like, we start to hear about this, like... 50-year storm that's coming. Yeah. This is some real... Bells Beach, Australia. Yeah. We start to get, like, really moving into the fucking stoner-ass philosophy that, like, Bodhi brings to the table. We talks about how, like, everything in the world moves in cycles and nature has this beautiful cycle of putting people in their place and every 50 years it brings in this huge storm with the biggest waves of all time and it's going to be in Bells Beach, Australia (laughs) and they're all going to be there and, like... This doesn't really seem to achieve much other than... Well, I mean, this film at this point doesn't seem to be achieving much. Right. Like, we had a bank robbery in, like, the first, like, 15 minutes, and now we're just... We're surfing. Dude, we're, we're 40 minutes into this movie, right, at this point, and, like, we haven't had anything conclusive happen. No. He's following around this gang of surfers, hearing about their crazy, like, philosophies about life and nature... And, you know, spoiler alert, the next thing that happens is Patrick Swayze comes in and is like, you ready for a stealth mission, bro? And they go on, like, a cool night surf where, like, we now spend, like, ten minutes them yeah. just hanging out we're in getting the spray. To, like, we're getting, like, 45, 50 we're minutes We're coming up on the halfway point of the movie and they're just out at night surfing it's just around. about surfing philosophy sort of thing. Yeah. Like, that's what this film has become. But, although, although, here we go, 50 minutes in, Utah successfully surfs a wave. Yeah. <laughs> he does it. It takes half the film, but Johnny Utah actually surfs a wave. Which, conveniently, brings us to the next thing that makes this highly remakeable, hot stunts. 
Oh, dude, I of mean, course. Nighttime, sexy dudes, sexy ladies, surfing waves, busting moves, highly watchable, highly expected in the remake. Of course, dude, like, definitely. Uh, I've gotten written down here that, like, Tyler is onto him in this scene. Uh, I can't remember what exactly she says to him. She says something to him. Basically about, like, how, like, he always looks like he's trying to hide something. Or, like, yeah. no, he always looks like he has this drive sort of thing. Whereas at this moment, he seems happy. Yeah, that's right. That's right. She's, yeah, she's, like, she's really cutting to the core of him. And I've nominated Tyler here, my girl Tyler, for MVP. Based on the fact that she's getting down to some real talk. Man, like, you know? it's hard. I think it's hard to, like, in this, like, sort of, like, femme fatale character to actually give those characters any depth. But Tyler's got some. Like, I yeah. actually found Tyler like really engaging yeah, as a I character. Mean, not to mention earlier, like when like Bodie and the boys are having their like stoner philosophy about the world. Like we get from her basically her being like bullshit, right? Yeah, like she's, she's just, just like, like super grounded. She's just not buying like, into yeah, it. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, she's cool. anti their bullshit philosophy, and yeah. I like that about Tyler. I think she's pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then we yeah we head from there into Utah and Tyler. Sleeping together on that beach. Oh, smooching. Waking up. Smooching. Naked under a blanket. Oh, yeah. Him hooking up with Bodhi's lady. A forbidden romance. Also, incidentally, highly remakeable. Um, (laughs) Definitely an important aspect of any good movie. And then he's late for work. Yeah, he is uh, very late for a meeting. That meeting actually turns out to be a raid on that Death Squad surface house. Yeah, at this point I was so confused because there'd been no mention of a raid up to this point. No. Like, I just was like, what are they raiding? Who's being raided? What the fuck is going on? Frankly, it felt like they were jumping the gun a little bit. Yeah, they had nothing to base this raid on. It was literally like, well, they were surfing in that place and they seem pretty shady. Yeah, they tried to beat me up, so we're going to raid them now. Also, here's something... Why is Keanu going on the raid if he's undercover? <laughs> like, that really got to me. That's like, an incredibly good point. But, like, um, but, like they have other agents, right? It also, like, yeah, it also comes up again later. Um, the, yeah, it's an incredibly good point. The thing, the other thing, Gary Busey spends this entire movie rolling around pretending he's lost something, dude, so he doesn't seem suspicious. He's a man eternally looking for something. Because he's walking through the neighborhood like, yeah. does anyone see my dog? Like, on his way up to the house that they're raiding, just so he doesn't look sus. And then he gets up to the house, knocks on the door, and we get a couple of shots inside the house. One, dude, nice. Sexy lady in the shower. Silhouette, dude, nice. The next thing we see... It felt so obligatory. Yeah, it was really unnecessary. And then there's this guy, like, laying on the couch, like, drumming his body, like, listening to hell tunes. (laughs) Like, just fucking wigging out. Like, fucking, like, Utah ducks around the back. He's got, like, a little mirror there. Uh, has realized that these guys have a fucking arsenal of weaponry, is trying to get through to the other agents. Dude, so many weapons. So many like weapons. Like, they're pulling out Tommy guns, assault rifles, like, all kinds of guns are coming the fuck out of nowhere. He's trying to, like, get through to like, the other agents being like, don't let Angelo, like, go through yeah. this sort of thing. They're yeah, going to yeah. blow him apart. Cause but there's this fucking lawnmower going on. Yeah. The other agents can't hear him. And I've got to be honest... My heart's beating faster. Oh, the intensity, like, dude. Oh, but dude. also at the same time, like, this idea of, like, a lawnmower as a plot device. I, I was like, this is insane. So, Angelo's at the front door, trying to, like, work his way into the house and talk to them. 
Keanu realizes that they're pulling out all these fucking guns, but he can't tell anyone about it because there's a fucking lawnmower going. Like, how stupid is that? But I'll be eating those words in about four minutes because holy shit. Yeah, uh, that fucking, like, Chekhov's gun, dude. Things Jesus. go wrong. Yeah, I, well, we'll come back to that. Things go wrong in a major way. Pappas pulls his badge. It turns into a fucking full-on, like, gunfight. Fucking Utah starts icing these dudes. Like, he murders a few of them. This naked lady comes out of the shower and is beating the shit out of yeah. Utah. She then goes and stabs an FBI yeah, agent. Dude. She's hard what, as fuck. What, fuck? <laughs> what horse does she have in this race? Yeah, she's like, <laughs> she's fucking crazy. Because we've never seen, like, we've seen these Death Squad boys before. She was just like, there. a girl in the house. She was just there. And yet yeah. she was like, no, fuck the FBI. Yeah. Like, she's but she's going to stab her way out of there. She's stabbing FBI agents. She's beating the shit out of Utah. Fucking Pappas is shooting one of these dudes in the skull and then like Utah's chasing the last guy through the backyard and then they end up in this oh, epic dude. struggle what's that last guy's name uh, it's like War Machine or something like that War Boy War, war Child yeah war it's War Child, child. it's War Child <laughs> no, I prefer War Boy I like to imagine him as yeah. one of the Chrome guys from um, fucking yeah. Mad Max Mad Max yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's Nux one of the War he's Boys Nux. so there you've got uh, good pool, dude. Neo the one chasing Nux the War Boy <laughs> through, like, the backyard, and they end up in this, like, epic, desperate struggle for their lives. It's like that fucking, like, scene in Saving Private Ryan, <laughs> like, with that knife, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's literally oh, yeah. that, but with, like, Keanu's face heading into a lawnmower. Yeah. the lawnmower comes back, dude, it's Chekhov's lawnmower. Like, it's so good. fucking, the war child is pushing Keanu's face into this lawnmower in the backyard, and then fucking Pappas shows up to save the day. MVP, dude. Gotta be. <laughs> Gotta be Pappas. Now, um, but, yeah, and basically, like, in the aftermath of all this, they've ran up some people sort of thing. One of the dudes they arrested during the raid, turns out DEA They blew it. On an operation. They yeah, blew they some blew deep cover. So hard. Although it took Keanu, like, two minutes to realise. Like, this dude outlines his whole thing, leaves, and then Keanu's like, like fucking 50 seconds later, Shit! Yeah. Shit! Like, it's like, really, dude? Like, dude, oh. I, I just put everything down, like, how did these professional FBI agents let this get so out of hand? Yeah. Like, it became such a scrap. Yeah. Like, it literally came down to Keanu in the backyard about to get his face in a fucking lawnmower. Like, how did it get to that point against some, like, meth-buying surf Nazis? Like, yeah. how did they fuck it up so bad? Basically, these guys had, like, two kilos of crystal meth. They were, like, trying to track down, like, who they were buying from... And Utah and Beauty did like a, just a real average job. So the next thing we see is Utah, salty as fuck, lying in bed with Tyler in, I guess, his personal house? I guess so. Which I wrote down, like, what the fuck? Like, he's deep cover, he's an FBI agent, and he brings his, like, like contact squeeze, slash yeah. piece back to his personal house. Well, is it his place or hers? I th- feel like it was his place because they picked him up from there later, like Bodie yeah, and the boys. Like, Although I gotta be honest, dude, like, there's some stuff with Utah that I don't really buy, but him and Tyler, like, as a genuine connection thing, I was like, fuck yeah, alright, I'm yeah, into it. Yeah, it, like, it was cool. It was a nice, a nice subplot in the film, but like, like, why would you bring it back to his house? I guess it just comes back to this, like, he's highly unprofessional and oh, yeah, it's just shit. Yeah. Um, but we see that Bodie is an unstoppable surfing machine. The man only surfs. That's it. That's all he does. That's all he cares about. He, he busts around like like, like nearly five a.m. Like four yep. five a.m. and is like, "We're going surfing." Like, "Oh hey, it's my it's my girlfriend." 
You're sleeping with this dude now? Let's go surfing. He like, does not care, hey. Yeah. Like, he fully does not care. Although, to be fair, at that wild house party, he, t- he did say to Utah, anything uh, mine is yours. <laughs> I guess he meant it in a very literal sense. Yeah, I, I mean, know. there was some eye, eye stuff going yeah, on between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely oh, got yeah. that vibe. Yeah. But he was just so like, I don't care, man. Yeah. Fucking do whatever you want. But he also like, had some other girl, like, hanging off yeah, him. So. Yeah, you're right, dude. All he cares about is the spray. We are over an we are over an hour into the movie at this point, and all that's happened is surfing. We have no confirmation that Bodie and his boys are the bank robbers. Like, there's no like in film final confirmation of this just yet. They just go out surfing again, and then quite possibly the greatest part of the movie. Well, like one of the, so one of these dudes like I think flashes some people like like yeah one of the, one of like the dudes in like the surfing team flashes everyone. And then, like, fucking Utah recognizes that butt because, like, in that first ex-president... He that Yeah. Like, uh, one of the bank robbers flashes his ass. And that's actually where... <laughs> that's part of... <laughs> that's part of uh, Busey's theory because of the tan line he has. He has, like, to, be a has to be a Because he has pants tan. Like, because we don't all have fucking pants tan. And he... But essentially, he sees this guy <laughs> mooning everyone, and then stops, and then Tyler sees him, and it's like, you look like you've seen a ghost, and then he remembers that Busey called, <laughs> Busey was like, they're like ghosts. Forget about it, they're ghosts. <laughs> and he just puts it together, like on the spot, he's just like, oh my god. Well, because it was the same word you see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, like nothing, nothing else. else to motivate it. He's just like, oh my god, Bodie and his boys. And he just books it. In the world, this guy's been undercover for like a while now, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. And he just, like, rather than like surfing out the day, he's just kind of like, I have to go now. I have to go now. I'm a lawyer now. I have to go oh, be a lawyer. crazy. Yeah, it's very bad. So the next thing we get is a conversation between Pappas and Utah where he says that he's been tailing Bodhi. All right, I've written this down. This is a very specific point. This is incredibly esoteric. He says that, like, one of the places that he's seen Bodhi is at Patrick's Roadhouse. And, like, I don't know if you know this, but Patrick Swayze was in a 1989 movie called Roadhouse. Yeah. And I'm like, is that a hot reference? Yes. It has to be, right? Roadhouse is a sick movie where Patrick Swayze is a bouncer at this, like, fucking cool roadside biker bar and he basically just beats the fuck out of people all through that movie and then two years later they're making Point Break and Patrick Swayze's in it and Bodie's eating at Patrick's Roadhouse another thing <laughs> that makes this movie highly remakeable hot references uh, so he says he's been telling them and for some reason he thinks they're gonna do a final score the following day at this specific bank before leaving to Maui because he just has a feeling I, like, there's, like, there's no explanation as to why he's, he thinks that. Here's something as well. Angelo Pappas, been on the force 22 years. He's a pretty, like, you know, <laughs> rough and tumble guy. And there's this newbie, fresh out of Quantico, yeah. who's just like, hey, like, I got this hunch, come with me. And he's like, it's been so long since I've, like, had any human companionship. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. coming with you. He's so into it. Like, dude, oh. okay, so that it, he, instantly he's into it. He's like, all right, sure, let's go to this bank tomorrow morning. Just just you and me, let's go stop a bank robbery. Again, why does the deep cover agent need to go, right, and completely blow the operation just in case he's right? Anyway, so they go there, they sit in front of the bank, he thinks they're going to rob, and then in this fucking 
family circus slapstick, like, just absurd like, turn com- of comedia events. Delatte, like, like yeah, comedia delatte turn of events. Utah is off buying meatball sandwiches. Pappas is literally reading comics in like the car, Calvin and Hobbes. like giggling to himself. He's like, oh, Calvin and Hobbes can't believe it. While they're both distracted with this farce, this children's farce of a plot device. The crew start robbing the bank in the background. Oh. How unprofessional are these agents, dude? Because the one agent is literally like, yo, go get me two meatball subs. And he specifies that he needs two meatball subs. Utah, like, smiles and runs off to get the meatball subs. And Pappas just sits there, like, chuckling to himself, reading a comic book. Not even looking at the bank. So Utah gets back with the sandwiches in time to see them leaving the bank. <laughs> and we get this fucking chase scene. The second half of this film is just, like, all action, all payoff, because it was like, hey, thanks for watching this surfing movie for so long, here's a bunch of action sequences. All stunts, all chases, all the time, all sick. But basically, uh, Utah pops out and is like, FBI, Reagan notices Utah and stops one of the other boys from uh, shooting him. We get this, like, really sweet car chase. Uh, as they're as they're sort of heading through, they're like ducking and like 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 driving around, sort Dude, of thing. Hot wheel skiddy car chases. Yeah. Highly remakeable. Very, <laughs> definitely they're very now, dude. Definitely a big thing. Actually, where I mean, are they? They're, they're always in. Yeah, like, I mean that bullet car chase. What was that? Like nineteen thirty. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then we, we, we get our good guys crashing into a, like, a barrier sort of thing, uh, and they, being out of the race, the surface car gets fucked up, yeah. they drive to this, uh, uh, petrol station, jack this car, but not before Reagan gets a fucking lighter with, like, a fucking, Dude. like... This lights the gas petrol bowser and that just like makes a flamethrower and torches this car yeah which is so sick it's very cool but then dude utah with the fucking tackle so i guess his football skills come back because he charges over a car nails reagan into the ground then reagan's on fire the rest of the party like pulls off in the car reagan and utah are fucking like wrestling while reagan's on fire and then we get this hell iconic and highly remakeable foot chase oh my god it was so good dude yeah it's sick they're like busting through like suburban backyards it, it was actually sick as fuck like as as you say this movie's literally like Thanks for watching till now. Here is the reward. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, we really, you've really come on a journey with us. Thank goodness. You'll Here be rewarded go. in the afterlife. At which... one point, like, uh, Reagan, like, gets ahead, like, runs into this, like, family home, locks this, like, glass screen oh, door, man. and Utah just, like, elbows his way through doesn't it. Does pick something up and break it? Yeah, 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 yeah. He, like, doesn't miss a beat. Yeah, this dude. <laughs> Reagan throws a fucking dog yeah. at him. He's like, like, Utah will not be deterred. He's fucking gonna get this guy. But yeah, this also, oh yeah, um, Reagan's entire escape plan is like predicated on like neighborhood doors being unlocked. <laughs> it's like, what if like one of the houses he tried to go into just had their back door locked? Like he'd be fucked. You couldn't make 
I mean, I guess that makes it not remakeable because you couldn't make that movie today because, you know, people are locking their doors. I don't know if you know, like, it's a scary world out there right now, yeah. Jackson. Things post, are post getting... 9-11, dude. I mean, yeah, exactly. Like, things are very scary right now and people uh, just aren't as trustworthy as of they course. were. Of course. You know, everyone's locking their doors. Yeah. You can't let your kids play in the street. You can't. No, no, no. no I, mean, I mean, because Bodhi will get them. <laughs> <laughs> He's coming through. Johnny Utah will, like, shoulder them into the gutter. Of course. Yeah. Chasing a man in a Reagan mask. Um, <laughs> Basically, like, like, the culmination of this chase is them jumping... Now, what are they? Because I've I've obviously played a lot of uh, GTA San Andreas. In LA, those like almost like slipways or whatever, like those, like aqueduct yeah, kind of things. Yeah, look like yeah. Aqua- yeah, they're weird. As it's two the- boys from Perth, we don't know what these things are, yeah. but, but they're big, prevalent. And, yeah, in pop culture. Yes, like there's. Bridges. I'm pretty sure that's where in Gone in 60 Seconds, that's where like the final like chasing. Yeah, is along one yeah of there's them. often like car chases in them. They're just like little aqueducts. Yeah, uh, Reagan gets away, like makes his jump down and keeps going. Johnny Utah. Like, makes the jump, and hang on a second, here's where a bit of that football knowledge comes in handy. Johnny Utah uh, couldn't make it as a pro because he fucked his knee uh, when he was in college. Uh, Johnny jumps down into this aqueduct, (laughs) and you better believe that knee buckles. Yeah, it really does. Reagan's getting away, climbs this fence, Johnny pulls out his gun, has it trained on him, Uh, they lock eyes, like, Johnny knows that... It's Bodie behind that mask. Highly iconic scene. He can't bring himself to shoot him. At this point, dude, I have to nominate someone for MVP. Yeah. And it's going to be a controversial choice. And it's Reagan. It's not Bodie. It's the stuntman who was Patrick Swayze's stuntman whilst wearing a Richard Nixon mask. Because this shit, there's no way that was Swayze. Reagan mask. Sorry? Reagan mask. Reagan mask, yeah. yeah. There's no way that was Swayze. That was a dude wearing a fucking Ronald Reagan mask, doing all of these sick backyard stunts, jumping into aqueducts, climbing barbed wire fences, and he just did it all. Like, didn't even look like he was breaking a sweat. And his vision had to be impaired. That stuntman nominee for MVP. Counter argument. Do you not think that was Patrick Swayze? <laughs> <laughs> Now, this hits on something else I wanted to look up and something I wanted to ask about. Do you think Keanu and Swayze learned to surf for this film? Definitely Swayze. 16 totally awesome facts about Point Break. Oh, I'm so into this, dude. <laughs> All right, here we go. It's on Mental Floss. The story Shout was... Shout out to Mental Floss, sponsor of the show. Yeah. Long-time fans. Sean Hutchinson, writer, January 13th, 2016. Love it. The story was conceived in an appropriate place. Not going to read that paragraph. Writing the script wasn't the screenwriter's only job. Okay. Okay. The movie went through several titles. It was originally supposed to be titled Johnny Utah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dude. Oh, no. Woo! Okay. Keanu Reeves wasn't the first choice to play Johnny Utah. They wanted Charlie Sheen. Although, no, to, to be honest, dude, like... I can see it. Charlie Sheen would fucking crush, crush this role. Uh, Utah's name was based on a football icon. Okay. Johnny Unitas, right? Uh, Surely. Joe Montana. Really? I guess. It's Montana, Utah, uh, I guess. Well... Bodie and Johnny had a history. Point Break isn't the first time Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves worked together. They previously starred in the 1986 hockey drama Youngblood. The ex-presidents were real surfers. Instead of getting actors who could surf... Bigelow cast surfers who could act to be in the gang of ex-presidents. Swayze missed out on shooting the foot chase. Swayze is not the one wearing the Reagan mask during the foot chase sequence. Instead, his stunt double, Scott Wilder, fucking MVP, performed the scene because Swayze was in Europe doing press for Ghost at the time that they were shooting the film. Oh, whoa. Oh, 
that Swayze awesome. Surf, though? I'm, I'm really um, into that now. One of the members of the Surf Gang is none other than Red Hot Chili Peppers frontman Anthony Kiedis. One of the surfers is Anthony Kiedis. Which what? One? It doesn't specify. As in, in like the main gang? We have to watch this movie again. Oh. The cast received extensive fight training. The right. surfing scenes were real but weren't the real actors. Oh. That really blows it for me. The movie inspired its own stage show. There you go. What? 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 Point Break Live consists of actors performing the entire show on stage with one catch. A random audience member is chosen to play the part of Johnny Utah. <laughs> and in a send-up of Reeves' flighty performance on screen, the person must read all his lines off of cue cards. That is incredible. I cannot believe oh, that this dude, exists. Dude, we that show on. Holy shit. Holy shit. Somebody made this movie. They literally choose a random audience member to be Johnny Utah. I mean, Holy that's, fuck, I mean, dude. let's be honest, like, that's, that's, that's probably so going to be, like, funny. real similar to the film. That's hey? so funny, Like, just someone dude. that rocked up and read the lines without any... Off cue cards. <laughs> without any prompting. Yeah. Like, no direction. Oh, oh God. my God. Yeah, we didn't say. Johnny rolls away from Reagan... Uh, and just, like, fires his gun. Yeah, yeah, wow, we really sidetracked from this, like, highly iconic and memorable mm. scene of this film, which is, like, this expression of pure, impotent rage by Utah. Like, he recognises Bodhi behind the mask, pulls it, like, rolls onto his back, and just, like, blasts all his bullets into the air. So then we're back at the bureau. Uh, and we have Gary Busey after, like, uh, Utah being, like, I think, is he being stitched up or something like that? Uh, I can't quite remember, but we essentially, like, the, the crux of this scene is Gary Busey being like, I've seen you on the training field, you're 100%, man, you don't miss. Yeah, because he claims, because he had to, like, you know, fill a report on where all his bullets went, and he yeah. claims he fired all those shots and missed, but of course, like, you know, everyone knows he's got 100% Utah, and he doesn't miss shots like that, so he ba- basically Pappas is like, yeah. you're too close to this Bodie boy, I know you are desperately in love with him. Yeah, you're either scared or you're too close. Yeah. You ain't scared, Utah. So the next thing that I just love the idea that, like, so you did this training ground sort of thing. That means you will never miss. (laughs) In the line of duty, in real life, with moving targets, and like a human being, you will never miss. And if you ever miss, your integrity will be impugned. (laughs) Like, if you ever miss, I'm going to assume you have a personal relationship with the person that you missed. Uh, Yeah, well, to be fair, like, Busey's right in there. Like, it's kind of true I mean he's definitely right Mm. and that's why he's my favourite pick for MVP so far so Utah goes straight back to Tyler even though he was just seen by Bodie being an FBI agent and he knows Bodie's connected to Tyler so he and Tyler are hanging out and he just doesn't think that's going to be a problem which seems incredibly I think I think he's just genuinely in love with her but that brings up the question like, doesn't he want to, like, if he loves her so much, as in, like, he can't keep the helps of her being, like, with her, then shouldn't he be like, hey, so those, like, uh, bank no. robbers that you might know, they know I'm an FBI agent, also, I'm an FBI agent, what to do? Instead, your boy Johnny Utah Does is just silent. Paralyzed. And Tyler can read him like a book, and it's just like, you keep going to say something, you're not saying it, but then, in a horrible twist, she misreads it as... Poor emotional communication from a man. Which, to be fair, she's, you know, not wrong about, considering the way Keanu is playing this. Certainly. It's hard to read. And uh, she she leaves. And then we get this this shot 
of Bodhi sitting around the fire with his boys, and they're all like, we gotta kill him, or run away, Utah knows, he's a cop and he knows about us, and Bodhi's like, don't worry boys, I can handle this. And we get this little creepy aside where we're not sure what he's gonna do. Tyler shoots the pillow next to Johnny Utah in his sleep, having found his FBI badge, and is just basically being like, you lied to me, why didn't you tell me you were an agent? And he just spills everything immediately, and she just turns around and runs away. Also, ducking back on that like fucking scene to the surface real quick, Bodhi essentially convinces them, because they're all ready to walk out, that what they're doing is an attempt to capture the human spirit, yeah. and that's why they should just keep with it. We're going to keep robbing banks... For the human spirit. Yeah. And literally yeah. all in there are like, you know what, fuck my fears. Dude. I'm with you, Bodie. This, like, nihilistic <laughs> angst, highly remakeable. <laughs> you, yeah, know, you know, what? I, you know yeah. it's going to be in, yeah, in, it's it. gonna be a central pillar of this film. I dig it. Like, it really is. Like, he's literally like, we don't rob banks for the money. We rob banks because it's us against the system. Yeah, fuck the system, <laughs> yeah. man. Um, right, let's press on. So yeah, then the so whole we, thing with Tyler happens, and then... We get Johnny being a real mess, he's leaving her messages, that sort of thing, and then... <laughs> Why can't I ever say what I mean? Oh, <laughs> he God, says on yeah. the phone. It's, there's a lot of emotional oh, range going on here. So bad. Um, but then we get Bodie rocking up uh, with his boys, and essentially, like, just like, Hey, man, let's go. No, no, I, I don't know anything is wrong. Haha, <laughs> let, let's, let's get going. Yeah, and, like, and there's Utah this weird, is just, like... Weird scene where, like... Everyone knows that everyone knows, but they're going parachuting. They're going skydiving, dude. Yeah. yeah. And they all love it. Like, there's this mistrust going on all the way through, and they're always swapping, like, there's they're this, swapping parachutes There's this and Princess shit. Bride double bluff going on with the poison in the cup, and they're like, oh, we, which bag is going to deploy? And, like, Utah thinks they're going to kill him with a non-deploying bag. But then they all just have a really nice time skydiving. This freefall scene... Takes about eight minutes on camera. There is simply no way that they're falling for anywhere near that long. Like, it's gotta be 60 seconds, two minutes At tops. Most, like, and this scene goes on for so long. Like, how many times do you think they shot that scene? Like, gotta be a half dozen. Yeah. Anyway. And I guess they just had a lot of quality footage and they're like, let's well, gonna use all of it. Yeah, right. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, so, so we, we, get, we get to the van, and then we go in there, Swayze's just basically like, uh, this is going to sting, but uh, it, uh, it needs to happen. And they've got a video of Tyler tied up, and one of their dudes there, I want to say, was it Roach? Rosie. Rosie. Yeah. Rosie really... had Tyler there, and the whole thing was like, you come with us and do this, or... Yeah. We're going to kill it's, her. It's like, we're trying to get away, we know you're on to us, we're going to do a final bank robbery and then go to Mexico, and I have to be there to call Rosie off, or he's going to kill her because yeah. Rosie is an unstoppable killing machine. <laughs> Once you set him on something, he won't stop. He had, no, the best thing, he has the gift of blankness. And dude, the irony of Swayze telling Keanu Reeves <laughs> that Rosie has the gift of blankness. Like, I can't believe that, dude. He says, Rosie is a mechanism. Once you set him on his path, he cannot be stopped, dude. Like, nothing will stop him <laughs> marching endlessly towards his goal of murdering this lady other than Bodhi getting to Mexico. Yeah, He's a machine, an unstoppable killing machine. He's crumbopulous, Michael. <laughs> um, so, anyway... Uh, this begs the question to me, what the fuck was the point of the jump? 
why did they do this whole parachuting thing? Like, I literally, like, okay, hot stunts, highly remakeable. Of course. I mean, no, give me more stunts. I love no that. No denying that the hot stunt makes this movie hot incredibly remakeable. Very good. But, mm-hmm. like, narratively. Of course. Why? I don't know. <laughs> like, it's literally like the film was like, look, we film this. We have 10 minutes left. Yeah, they're literally like, look, we film them skydiving and then we don't know where to put it. And so we're just going to take a break from the narrative of the film. And like, because it's getting tense. Like, we've seen, like, fucking like, um, like Johnny Utah has chased them down yeah. and like nearly shot and like yeah. killed Bodie. We have this really tense moment. Like, Tyler has left him. And instead of following this up, we're like, let's just like watch skydiving yeah, for yeah, yeah. eight minutes. Because I was like, oh, are they trying to like win him over to their philosophy with this and be like become part of our crew, dude? But no, it was literally all pointless bullshit because they already had an insurance policy to make sure he was going to do what they wanted. Yeah, like literally pointless. So they tell Johnny that they've got to do this final bank robbery and he has to help them or... And then they have to get to Mexico or Rosie, the unstoppable killing mechanism, is going to kill Tyler. So, of course, he goes along with it. They go into a bank. Johnny doesn't get a mask, which surely is a dumbass idea. Uh, But, you know, what are you going to do? And uh, they get into the bank and they break from their own MO. Uh, For some reason, Bodhi decides they need to rob the vault, which is not something they've ever done before. Well, I feel like at this point there's an FBI agent on them. They know their identities. I I get the feeling that this is like Bodhi being like... Their last score. This is their last score. What would make sense would be telling the whole team that instead of just like improing it like as he's going along, being like, yeah, you know what? We're just hitting up that vault. Um, although he's, they're still trying to make that 90 seconds, so... Yeah, they're trying to make that 90 seconds, despite the fact that, like, this scene has been going on for, like, at least four minutes, and then fucking one of the guys says, 65 seconds, Bodie! Like, 65 seconds, my ass. Like, at least fucking make it realistic in the slightest. Yeah. But then there's this fucking hero cop. Yeah, I've got hero cop and in inverted commas. Yeah. Because this fucking... Asshole, dude. He's on the floor and he's turning to the security guard and he's like, Hey, I'm a cop, I'm a cop, I'm gonna fucking save the day and you gotta back me up. And the security guard is literally like, Please don't do this. And this cop pulls a gun, gets himself and the security guard killed, and one of the bank robbers. Honestly, it's frustrating because it's like, yeah. You asshole, you fucked this up. Like, yeah. Obviously, like, but, like, it wasn't like he was like, we got to save these people here. It's like, no. they are going in, going out, it's Dude, just money. If he'd done nothing, nobody would have died. Yeah. Four, he, four people with fucking, like, automatic weapons. Like, what's wrong he with He is you? responsible for the death of himself and the security guard. Yeah. And then a guy, I'm not sure what any of the servers' names are, because we see so few of them. All right, one of them's but, called Roach. <laughs> yeah, one of them's called Roach. Uh, but there's one that, like, Swayze in this moment calls Little Brother... Uh, dies in one of the most unconvincing death scenes. <laughs> this dude just kind of like shakes his head a little bit and then like closes his eyes and moves his head away. Like, and it's- Swayze, who's fucking bringing it, like has to try and react to this and be like, no, no! <laughs> yeah. Alright, uh, Swayze clocks Utah in the head and leaves. Just fucking clocks him. Walks out of the bank, they leave with their vault money, one team member dead, lying in the bank, three of them depart. And then McGinley is back, and he is arresting Utah as an accessory to murder, which is just insane, because he's a deep (laughs) cover agent. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. He's a deep cover agent working with these bank robbers, and apparently he's being arrested now, but... They have footage of him being like, stop, what are you doing, like... 
trying like, to stop them. Yeah. But no, he's being arrested because I guess that makes sense if you're John C. McGinley. Yeah. This is a character in this movie. Uh, but that's okay because Pappish shows up yet again, fucking MVP, uh, punches John C. McGinley in the face, knocks his boss out. Like, yeah, I guess that's something to do. Just knock your boss the fuck out for being a dick. Like, literally knock him out. And then just break the law. Take this guy who was being arrested as an accessory to murder, let him out of his cuffs, and take him on a personal vendetta. On a hunch. Yeah, just on, on a hunch. <laughs> yeah. Because they literally get in the car. He knocks John C. McKinley out. They get in the car. They're driving away. And Utah's like, they're going to the airport and they're flying to Mexico. I can just feel it. And he's just like, okay. And so they just go to the airport. And then fucking Utah gets out of the car that they're in. He's like, I'm unarmed. And he does a little, like, strike yeah, a pose spin. Like, he pulls up his shirt to show his belly. And yeah. does a little, like, strike a pose. And does a little, like, fucking do a little turn on the catalog to show him he doesn't have a gun. This confrontation scene, dude. Highly remakeable. <laughs> Former <laughs> friends fighting to the death. Yeah. On this runway. High stakes. Just two philosophies. Like... Yes. This clash of worldviews, yeah. dude. Really coming to a T here. Pappas gets fucking iced. Yeah, Cold dude. iced I've got, by... I've got written down, Busey gets torched. Yeah, Busey <laughs> gets torched. I've got Pappas gets iced. So I'd say synergy, we really yeah, hit on it in, in, in both directions. Song yeah. of Ice and Fire, the death of Gary Busey. <laughs> the death of Gary Busey. The death of Gary Pappas. <laughs> <laughs> That's what should be on his tombstone. So, uh, yeah. So, so then, like, Patrick Swayze, who's fucking crushing it at this point is like yeah he's doing a real good job he's like so, so Pappas is dead he's got iced there's this big confrontation on the runway like everyone's shooting at everyone everything's going dead wrong uh, one of fucking the remaining three guys in Bodhi's crew including Bodhi um, goes down so then on the plane is fucking Johnny Utah Roach and Bodhi and fucking like Bodhi gets him on there at like gunpoint Pappas is dead this other guy's dead and they're flying to Mexico yeah basically we see that Bodhi has the weirdest approach to medical care uh, in the entire world. We have this dude that was shot in that whole confrontation being like, I'm cold. And Bodhi's like, dude, this you scene, need a jacket. This and scene is like, heartbreaking, dude. Yeah. This guy's bleeding out in the plane and he's like, dude, I'm so cold. And Bodhi's only response is to put a jacket on him. It's fucked. And then, like, Johnny Utah's like, you're cold because your blood is leaving your body. You're, you're about die. to die. And this guy's like, hey, fuck you, Utah! And it's like, dude, like, he's got no horse in this race at this you're point. You're about to be like, toast. Yeah. But dude, at this point I've written down, Bodie and Roach are getting away with it. Because they're flying over Mexico, he's trying to contact Rosie to be like, don't kill her. Although he's not even really saying that. He's contacting Rosie to be like, yo, Rosie, come pick me up. And Utah's like, tell him not to kill her, you owe me that much, we've already got it, you've already won, just tell him not to kill her, tell him not to kill her. Yeah. And Bodie just drops the radio like a fucking cold ass motherfucker and then pushes Roach out of the plane in his fucking parachute, jumps out of the plane himself in the last parachute and Keanu just starts fucking wigging out. Like, Like, he's thrashing, he's like punching the plane and he's just like, He like grabs his gun that's next to him and just jumps out of the plane. No parachute. This madman. He just 
jumps out of the plane with no parachute, free falls down to Bodie, grabs onto his body and is like, pull the ripcord! And they play this game of chicken where, like, he either has to drop his gun and hold on to Bodie and pull the ripcord, or Bodie has to pull the ripcord, and Bodie knows that he's going to pull the ripcord eventually. So he's just like, you have to drop your gun, bro, and pull the ripcord, because I'm not going to do it. So he throws his gun away and pulls the ripcord, and they land in the desert. Fuck, dude. It was tense as it fuck. It was so intense. And then we see, yet again, I mean, fuck that football stuff, his knee is just goofed up even further. Yeah. Yusar can barely walk. Bodhi's getting away with it. Dude, um, Roach is dead. Roach, Roach is dead. Like, Roach we just died see on impact. Body. Yeah, died yeah. on impact. There's money floating around. Um, and then this, this little jeep rocks up uh, with Rosie. With Rosie. And, then and Tyler. Tyler, who's okay. She gets out. She runs over. We see this beautiful She's uh, wearing this little negligee, and she's not mad at all. Yeah, like, well, I mean, I guess, like, a near-death experience will, like, yeah, sort of make but, you really like, appreciate The last thing we saw of her was her being really mad at uh, Utah and then storming out. He jumped out of a plane without a parachute for her. And so I think that, like, in, in a universal sense, she knows that. Certainly, but at the same time, like, his being there didn't impact her freedom at all. Like, Bodhi wasn't going to kill her. Like, Bodhi yeah. didn't want her to die. Oh, yeah, of course. Like, he was going like, to let her go anyway. Him being there is kind of like, oh, you're now with him, versus being like, you're on your own, or do you need a lift back into town? Yeah, like, we'll take you there. the guys that just kidnapped <laughs> yeah. you, you know what I mean? Like They, they would have taken her there, though, right? I know. Like, Bodhi didn't want her dead. Like, yeah. He made that very clear. He was using her as leverage against it's Utah. true. But I will say this about this film, I really fucking dug Utah and Tyler together. Yeah. I thought, like, oh, like nice. I've, I've watched a lot of action films, dude. I fucking liked that. One of the best romance plots. Yeah, I liked definitely. it. I liked definitely, it. Definitely, definitely. Purely, definitely. and it's all from Tyler. Utah gives nothing, well, but she's... Keanu Reeves gives nothing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, like, she's, like, really grounded and interesting, and, like, I was really, like, rooting for her. So, dude, so. believable, um, love story in a high-concept action film? Very remakeable. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Finally. Uh, Highly <laughs> remakeable. Um, but yeah, Tyler's okay. It's all okay. It was all worth it. Bodhi remarks that, like, he, like that Utah's not only his man, and just, like, they grab the money. There's some muttering about Bodhi being like, we need to give him a proper burial. And Roach, Ro- that is. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they got to bury Roach. they got to bury Roach. And then Roach is like, no, we don't have time. And, and then like, they just drive yeah, away. Okay. Yeah, they <laughs> There's just... the money and speed <laughs> off. And then that's dude, it for this current time. Exactly. Exactly. That's it for the, the main narrative, dude. And we're reaching the last few minutes of the movie here. Because now... Now... There's nothing that actually says that time has passed, but the very next thing we see... Well, yes. Sorry. ...is Keanu Reeves driving in a car, and there's... And what's that? His hair. Just a little bit longer, Just a little it? bit longer? And what's that on the radio? A terrible Australian accent? Like a really hectic Australian <laughs> accent. So, if anyone happens to be listening to this who's not from Australia, like... This is what Australian people sound like. <laughs> what you're Exclusively, to. women, like, men, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, but like these are the two voices. This is what two reasonably normal-sounding Australian dudes sound like. Like, well, for some reason, like film and television just cannot get it's it right. Hollywood, dude. Like, like literally, it's one of those like cringy things. You're like, ah, Hollywood. But like, I feel like in Europe, they don't fuck it up this bad. The amount like, of times it's like. Just get an Australian actor. Yeah, just get an Australian actor rather than like... Like fucking Pacific Rim, which I 
love. Love that movie. Why? Like, the, the dudes they have as Australian actors, they do a pretty admirable job emotionally. You didn't need to cast those dudes as Australians. <laughs> yeah. It's so unbelievable. <laughs> and, like, having, like, like those dudes are critically important for that narrative. And, like, every time they speak, you're like, you don't sound like that. Yeah. Uh, it, it, is this, it is this crazy thing where, like, the perception that Hollywood has of what Australians sound like, like, doesn't sound anything like any Australian. Of course. But it perpetuates. Yeah. So, like, there's this idea in Hollywood that that's what an Australian sounds like, which is an American doing this Australian accent that doesn't reflect an actual Australian accent. But poorly so then, as well. Well, it's not poorly because it's, it's just not an accent. It's yeah. just not anything like what an Australian person sounds like. And so then that has to be, like, every... You know, like every film they need an Australian, make it identifiable. You've got to have this hectic Australian accent. Oh, it but, sucks uh, so much. Dude. It's really funny. So, um, to get back from our like rant about Australiana, um, <laughs> he he's in Bell's Beach, Australia, because it's time for that fifty-year storm that Bodie was talking about about an hour into the movie. Yeah. And he tracks down Bodie on the beach, and for some reason, the Ronald Reagan mask is there. No, fucking, I think. <laughs> Keanu brings it with he him. He brought it with him. And okay. throws it I must have him. looked away from the screen. Because all I saw was, like, I looked away and then I looked back and there was just a Ronald Reagan mask floating in the surf. Well, dude, you know that, like, like Keanu was like, oh my god, that storm. Bell's Beach is going to happen. i got to find a, like, a really impressive way of talking to my boy Bodie and showing him that I, I was onto it. I know, I'll throw a mask at him. I'll throw... I'll throw a full facial mask and that will display my superiority. My absolute genius level detective shit. Yeah, and then we get, like, Keanu Reeves just butchering the last lines of this film. I've literally written, like, this is unforgivable. That's yeah. what I have in my note. Like, this just... I, I feel like if, if you go back and listen to this thing, like, when, when you're editing it, you're going to realize that, like, we spend about an hour of this recording just not touching on how bad Keanu Reeves is well, in this movie. I, don't, I feel like, like beating on Keanu exactly, is such a dumb ex- thing. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Especially in this film. Yeah. And, like, so we just we just don't do it. And then at a certain point, like, it becomes impossible not to talk about it. Well, at that point, you're just missing the story, right? Like, the story of this film is how poor Keanu's acting is. Like, it's really bad here. Like, he's just doing such a subpar job. Like, just... Just really butchering it. Anyway, moving along very quickly, uh, we get the final fight. Highly remakeable. Two former brothers. This clash of worldviews yet again. Just in the surf. Fucking They're just wrestling in the water, dude. dude. Bodhi <laughs> is drowning Utah in the water. Yeah. And again, I've written down, how does this highly trained FBI agent get the tub? beaten the fuck out of him by some random surfing bank robber. Dude, Bodhi is a spiritual warrior. I mean, he's a spiritual warrior, that's right. He's a modern day savage, yeah. which oh, is... God. I mean, that's a line for the movie, it's, so... I, I know, I, no, no, I know. I, I'm, I'm not jumping on you there. I'm just jumping on this film. Modern savage, yeah. Bodhi. Like. The modern savage. Pretty heinous. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's fine. Why did he try and arrest Bodhi with nothing but his fists? Like, why did he go down there, like, to try and arrest this high, like, profile terrorist slash bank robber with nothing but bare hands and a pair of handcuffs? Doesn't matter, because we're reaching the emotional core of this movie. Yeah. So So we get Utah essentially reaching up and in the water having handcuffed himself to Bodhi, something from hitting those waves... We see helicopters come in, and many Australian, in inverted commas, uh, police officers yeah. like busting down. So like, Utah, it's re- on. yeah, Utah reveals that he's like got him surrounded. He's got these helicopters in here. Like Bodie's got nowhere to go. He's totally fucked. And then Bodie somehow convinces Utah 
to let him go to surf these waves. To die in the waves. To die in the water, essentially. Yeah, dude. He, he's literally like, my entire life has been leading up to this moment. I just want one wave before you take me in, and I've got nowhere to go. I can't be in a cage. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he's like, where am I going to go? Cliffs on both sides. I'm not going to paddle to New Zealand. And then fucking, like, Utah's like... Yeah, let him go. And he lets him go. And all the police are just like, what the fuck, dude? I have the very understandable reaction that why the fuck did yeah, you just let this high profile... How explain dude, that? how does he have that authority? He like, doesn't. How does Utah, a low-level FBI agent, have the authority to let this high-value criminal go to surf into the waves and die? Yeah, he's a cop like, killer, dude. Like He literally killed a cop back in the States. And, and Utah's just like... Yeah, you can go surf this wave and die. And then he just walks away. No, that's the thing. No, that's the thing. Like, they're literally, and then the cops are like, oh, we'll get him when he comes back in. And Utah's like, he's not coming back in. And then we see Bodie die immediately. Yeah, We yeah. see him surf out, get on this big wave. He's up there for three seconds. And then he eats oh, it I and dies I've instantaneously. About the low res slow mo death scene that we get, where it's like the the scene, like it's so poor, like the waves aren't even that high, and like it's just this like slow motion of this guy like falling off a surfboard, like into the spray, like no, and then like dude, and then Utah literally walking away. He throws his fucking badge in the water. Oh, he quits. Man. He's done. <laughs> He's That's done it. it. He's oh. bored of the philosophy. That's it. Like, what does that mean? What, how did he go through this film and was like, you know what? Crime doesn't pay, but neither does law. I'm stuck in the middle. <laughs> and then over the credits, fucking stuck in the middle with you plays. And we get this, like, montage of oh. Bodie and Utah, like, Dude. drinking milkshakes. Oh. And it's just, like, stuck in the middle with you. It's just... It's something else, dude. It's untenable. What a journey. That is my last note. Uh, and then finally, the things I have here uh, were my three MVPs. Okay, let's bring it on. Yeah, let's, um, let's summarize our MVPs. And yeah. now... So I had, for me, Tyler McGinley and Gary Busey as Gary Busey. Yeah, I mean, I, I had those exact same three, as we know. Uh, John C. McGinley playing, of course, Johnny Utah and fucking Pappas's boss. Oh, right. <laughs> John C. McGinley as Johnny Utah. Yeah. <laughs> like, John C. McGinley. Man, I would fucking watch that film. Yeah. I mean, Remakeable. That's the remake, yeah, too. Yeah, right. If it's not John C. McGinley, I don't know what I might do. Um, I mean, he, he can't be worse than Keanu Reeves. But, okay, so, so John C. McGinley as, as Keanu Reeves, uh, Johnny Utah and, and Pappas's boss. Uh, very good. Very convincing. Mm-hmm. Tyler, uh, the, 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 the stunning beach babe slash somewhat manic pixie dream girl. Uh, but also like grounded, like becomes an interesting grounded character. Certainly, certainly. Uh, or Gary Busey as Gary Busey in the Gary Busey effect. I gotta go for Gary Busey, dude. Yeah, I mean, me too. I kept coming back to it multiple times. It's gotta be fucking Pappas. Angelo Pappas. Gary Busey. MVP for me, this movie. Best character in the film. And don't get me wrong, I fucking love Tyler. I mean, having seen the trailer for for the reboot of Point Break, my dude, kinda looks like they cast Ray Winston in the the Pappas role. Well, I mean, there's big shoes to fill. I mean, yeah, that's absolutely right. I don't know why they didn't just get Gary Busey, (laughs) seeing as he is still alive, but you know... Here's a quote from Gary Busey. You know what romance stands for? It stands for relying on magnificent and necessary compatible energy. Okay. 
Nickname? <laughs> Barry Yusi. <laughs> yeah, the classic Barry Barry Goosey movie, dude. Really, all that leaves us with is um remakeability rating. So we gotta give this movie a remakeability rating. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say, adding up all the things that I've considered remakeable over the course of the movie. I'm going to give this 27 bank robberies in nine months out of 30 mm-hmm. as a remakeability index. Nice. I'm going to give it uh, three ex-presidents out of four. <laughs> That's way funnier. Because I don't think you got, yeah. got all four. Fuck so. you for getting that way funnier one. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> been our podcast. Still Interested is a production of the Curio Network and hosted by Ben McAllister and Jackson Usid. We are produced by me, Grace Chapel. Editing by Jackson Usid. Theme music is Anitra's Dance, composed by Edward Grieg. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Curio Network and SI Curio Show. We'll see you in a few weeks. Bye.